Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for Brain Fact Friday and episode number 176. On the neuroscience of communication, why our brain doesn't like the word no. I'm Andrea Samadhi author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona, and like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high-performance strategies that we can use to improve our productivity in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. We can achieve outstanding and predictable outcomes with whatever it is we're working towards when we act intentionally with our brain in mind. This week's Brain Fact Friday hit me this weekend when I was handed a book and asked what I thought of it. It was Jack Carew's You'll Never Get No for an Answer with a copyright date of 1987. I looked at the cover of the book and it was clearly written in the 1980s. The author was on the cover, dressed in a suit, and pointing at you, the reader, with the intention of making a connection. My gut reaction was far from what the author intended. I thought, oh no, I can't see how there's anything relevant in this book for today's workplace. And I felt that sense of neural dissonance or conflict at the brain level. But if this book wasn't exceptional, I don't think large sales organizations would still be using it around the world over three decades after it was written. I usually read books through Kindle on my iPhone, so when I have a physical copy, I love to flip through and see what I notice from the pages. We all have our styles of what we're looking for, and I noticed the interior looked old, and I thought old school when I saw that the print wasn't crisp or modern looking. And there weren't many testimonials, just a couple, but the one on the front cover stood out. It was by Og Mandino. American author of the best-selling book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. Og is the most widely read inspirational and self-help author in the world. He was the former president of Success Unlimited magazine, the first recipient of the Napoleon Hill Gold Medal for Literacy Achievement, a member of the International Speakers Hall of Fame, and honored with the Masters of Influence by the National Speakers Association. Og Mandino sadly passed away in 1996, but his books continue to inspire thousands of people all over the world. So if a pro like Og Mandino said this book was one of the most powerful and helpful books on salesmanship that he'd ever read, my brain went directly to confirmation bias, and I thought I'd better not judge a book by its cover and read it right away. I was shocked to see how Jack's 10 strategies written over 34 years ago were timeless and relevant for anyone who wants to get their point across to someone else, not just for those who are in sales. We all need to be able to persuade others, whether it's coming to a consensus in your personal life or in the workplace, there's a power behind being able to naturally influence someone without the use of force, which we all know negates. As I was reading his book, I wondered how his strategies could be connected to simple neuroscience, just like the Neuroscience of Personal Change, episode 68, where we took Stephen Covey's Seven Habits book and connected each habit to brain science. 
I thought about the 10 unique strategies that Jack used to show us how to position ourselves to never receive that dreaded, no, I'm not interested in whatever it is you're selling or whatever idea you're trying to convey. And this thought inspired this week's Brain Fact Friday on the neuroscience of communication, why our brain doesn't like the word no. And with this, I mean not just with the word no, but looking at how the words you choose and exactly how you say them can influence someone or not. I know Chris Gargano mentioned this in episode 166 when he was talking about leadership in the workplace. In a world where time is money and most of us never have enough time, what we say really matters. In personal relationships, poor listening and speaking skills are major causes of disagreements and in the business world can ruin an entire corporation. So for this week's Brain Fact Friday, we'll look at Jack Carew's book through a neuroscientific lens and I hope to prove that he was years ahead of his time with this book that was written 24 years before the first fMRI scan machine was introduced changing the world forever as we began to look at the power held within our brain with the words we say and how we say them. So for this week's Brain Fact Friday, did you know that words can heal or hurt? If you were in an fMRI scanner that takes a video of the neural changes happening in your brain and you were told a firm no for something, we could record in less than a second a substantial increase of activity in your amygdala and the release of dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters that immediately interrupt the normal functioning of your brain, especially those that are involved with logic, reason, language processing, and communication. And the more you stay focused on negative words and thoughts, the more you can damage key structures that regulate your memory, feelings, and emotions. You may disrupt your sleep, your appetite, and the way your brain regulates happiness, longevity, and health. If I were leading a sales training using Jack Carew's book in 2021, I would open up this session with a section that shows how important it is that we understand how our words impact our brain for our health, our well-being, and productivity, as well as the importance of keeping communication quick and to the point for the sake of workplace effectiveness. Twitter really does have it right when you have to limit your characters, spaces included, to 280 characters or less. If you have something to say, see if you can say it in 10 words or less. This is an interesting activity to try, especially if you're the type that thinks you have to explain your point like I've been guilty of. Before saying anything, use your fingers and count out 10 words and then stop. Can you convey your ideas in 10 words or less? It takes practice, but it's a good practice to learn when communicating with the brain in mind. Extreme brevity keeps the emotional centers of the brain from sabotaging a conversation. Anger is averted before it begins. Neuroscience supports this premise. The moment a person expresses even the slightest degree of negativity, it increases negativity in both the speaker and listener's brains. Instead of getting rid of the anger, we increase it, and this can, over time, cause irreparable damage not only to the relationship, but to the brain as well. 
So any strategy that can teach a person to speak with clarity, brevity, calmness, kindness, and sincerity will increase interpersonal stability in the workplace and at home. I'm sure you're well aware that negative words can hurt our effectiveness and health, as well as the flip side where positive words and images can decrease depression and anxiety, but I'm not suggesting to avoid difficult situations or shrink during adversity as they can build mental strength and resilience, but they can also stop you in your tracks. Do you know how your brain responds to the word no or anything negative at all? When difficult situations come up, do you lean towards them, looking for a solution, or do you back away? Or do you just completely zone out? Try this experiential activity to find out. You'll actually have to do this activity to see what you notice, and each person with a brain that's wired differently will have a completely different experience. I remember doing this activity a few years ago, and it's one of those things you'll never forget. If you do try it, please let me know the results of what you learned. You can try this with your class or sales team or in the workplace, but here's how you do it. You split everyone up into groups of three. One person is the participant, and the other two are either the negative chatter that surrounds them daily or the positive feedback. The participant listens and notices what they hear, while the negative person shouts out negative comments into their ear on one side, and the positive person's job is to combat the negative feedback with positive feedback in the other ear. Once everyone understands their role, you say go, and the positive and negative feedback people need to go right next to the participant's ear and speak loudly with either the negative things like, you're worthless, you're a total failure, you're not good at anything, over and over again, while the other person combats these phrases in the other ear with positives like, hey, you're a rock star, everything you do turns to gold, something like that. And you got to keep going for enough time for the participant to notice what they hear. Let this activity run for a good two to three minutes and then debrief. During the debrief session, ask the participant, what was more noticeable, louder or easier to hear, the positive or the negative feedback? Could the participant get to the point where they didn't hear the negativity at all, showing their ability to block out the noise? Could they remember the negative phrases? Could they remember the positive phrases? What did the participant notice the most? Psychologist Dr. Rick Hansen reminds us of the negativity bias, where the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon for positive ones. So it will take practice to build our brain to be wired to hear the positives and block out the negatives, improving our mental toughness. Each person is different and will have a different experience with this activity because our brains are all wired differently, but the purpose is to see how our brain deals with negativity. Can we see past it, overcome it, or does it shut you down? This is a really good experiential activity for self-awareness. 
It was at least 20 years ago when I did this for the first time, but I'll never forget it. In the beginning, I could hear the negative comments in one ear and wasn't even aware of the positives at all until I shifted and thought of what I was working on and something in my brain blocked out all the negative comments. And although they were shouting in my ear, I could only hear the positive ones that supported my goal, shouting encouragement for what I was working on. It's a good lesson for the mental strength needed to rewire our brain to pay attention to whatever it is we're working on and ignore everything else that doesn't support this goal. This understanding can take our focus to a whole new level with the brain in mind. So to close out this week's Brain Fact Friday on the neuroscience of communication, we are reminded of the importance of speaking with brevity, calmness, and kindness being mindful of the words we choose, and staying focused on our goals by blocking out all the negative chatter and noise around us. Before writing this conclusion, I took a quick break on Instagram, and I saw a post from assistant professor at Butler University, Dr. Lori Desatel, who came on our podcast for episode 16, and then again episode 56, And she posted the image of her book, How May I Serve You, that was published 10 years ago. The cover caught my attention as I was thinking of how our words impact our brain and what could I possibly say that would be impactful and memorable for us all to think about at the end of this episode. When I saw the image of our book cover, I thought, aha, this is it. A picture says a million words. I had no idea that her book cover and original image was created by Lena Reifinger at Indiana State University 10 years ago, and 10 years later, we're still looking and thinking about solutions to better serve our students or those we work for by improving our communication skills and being mindful that words really can change our brains. Leading me back to Jack Carew's 10 strategies that Og Mandino encouraged us to all read to improve our communication and influence with others. I picked out the first five with some thoughts that tie back to past episodes on the podcast, and I'm sure you'll agree with me just how important these strategies are for us to think about whether we're in the classroom or workplace. Og Mandino was right. These principles are timeless and relevant 34 years later. Strategy one, take the lead. It's your job to please those you serve and how you see yourself is critical. You decide how successful you'll be. If you think self-defeating thoughts about yourself, your product or whatever you're selling or how you're trying to influence others, it will come through. We covered self-awareness in one of our very first episodes and it's important enough to have made it to one of Jack's top strategies. Remember, with self-image, what you think about yourself and what you're selling can be felt. When we connect with someone, it's called neural resonance in the brain. And when something conflicts, it's called cognitive dissonance. Take the lead with confidence and it will be noticed. Everyone loves a confident leader. Strategy two, stop looking out for number one. Of course, it's natural for us to be self-interested, But to experience long-term success, we must put others ahead of our own wants and needs. You've got to know your customer or who you're serving, what's important to them, what they want and need. In the business world, we create avatars for our customers, and it's important that everything we do is for them. 
It should be in the back of our heads all the time. Remember, what they or those we serve want is more important than anything. So we must align our solutions or what we offer to their needs, whatever they might be. Setting our own thoughts aside, we must uncover what it is that those we serve want and need and then solve it. Strategy three, invest in the relationship. We covered building relationships with Greg Wolcott on episode seven and again on episode nine. And it's important to note that when we've taken the time to invest in relationships with those we serve, we can easily overcome those difficult challenges that will come our way. Remember, Jack wrote invest in the relationship as that investment is what it will take to overcome times of challenge or difficulty. A solid foundation must be built first and then anything is possible. Strategy four, bring your energy to the customer. This is my favorite one of Jack's strategies because when you've got this one, anything is possible. I know you've seen it and felt it. That electric energy that shows up when you connect to someone at the brain level. It's what makes you memorable and why I think you'll never get no when you've got this level of connection with another person. I covered the valuable lesson I learned from the legendary Bob Proctor on episode 66, where Bob taught me about the importance of generating energy from within and reminded me to never show or say that I'm tired even if I was. This lesson stuck with me to this day, and it's impossible to miss it when you see it. Remember, this strategy takes some work on your part. Through diet, exercise, and plenty of sleep that we talk about on the bonus episode, the deep dive into the top five health staples, we'll be able to operate at a higher level to make this connection with those we serve. When it's there, you'll notice a magic that makes work more enjoyable, less stressful, and fun. Strategy five is get organized. Organization shows up whether it's in your home, how you keep your car, to your desk, and computer. It's something that can be noticed right away. I love Q4 or year-end as I've always joined my good friend Jim Bunch on his yearly calls where he walks us through a way to clean up our year and prepare to move into the next year. If you listen to episode 103, you'll hear some ideas of how to close out this year and prepare for a new year and get organized with your brain in mind. Remember, getting organized sets you ahead of the game and creates order and space for the new year for whatever it is you want to create. Getting organized translates to getting ahead and can transform your workplace with significant advantages in sales, like knowing and planning where your sales will come from, having a solid pipeline, and setting the tone for the rest of the year. Much like the sports team who gets that first point early in the game, there's a competitive advantage to this sense of organization that builds momentum. I'll let you read Jack's book and the other five strategies, but sure you can see how an understanding of our brain can improve our communication and influence taking our results to greater heights. This closes out this week's Brain Fact Friday. I'll see you next week with our first panel interview with Dr. Howard Rankin, Dr. John Leaf, Horatio Sanchez, and Tom Beekbane, as well as Dr. Brian Stenzler on the importance of mental health for our next generation. We also have a fascinating interview coming up with the CEO of Rewire, 
a human performance company that provides evidence-based solutions for tracking athlete readiness, building mental resilience, and improving mind-body recovery. Wishing you a productive weekend. I'll see you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 